Hello and welcome to the Curiosity Podcast, a show to help you thrive in your e-commerce and digital business. And now your host, Matt Edmondson. Welcome to another Facebook Live Curiosity Podcast with me, your host, Matt Edmondson. We are back. Yes, we are. And we've got a treat for you tonight. We're going to talk to an amazing chap called Chris, uh, Chris Raven, who is, well, he describes himself as a consultant chief marketing officer, which is uh, such a cool title to have. I wish I had that myself, if I'm honest with you. Anyway, we are going to get chatting to Chris. We are going to get into marketing, marketing from e-commerce. Actually, how do you get the stuff done? I mean, how do we execute? That's a big question, right? That's going to be what we're going to talk about in tonight's show. The Curiosity Podcast is a show dedicated to all of us who are in the e-commerce business, who are looking to build and grow our own online businesses and take them to the next level. If this is your first time with us, it is great to see you. Welcome to the show. It's great that you're here. You can, of course, post questions or comments as we go along. Uh, and Chris will hopefully at some point get a chance to answer those for you. Uh, do get in touch. Do hit the like button. Do uh, ask your questions. You'd be more than welcome. If you are listening to the audio version of this uh, on the podcast ver- on the podcast version, uh, then if you don't know if this is the first time you've listened to the podcast, we broadcast the interview live on Facebook as we're recording. Right, that's what we do. It's an experiment we're doing in season two, where I record the uh, interview with the guest, broadcast it live on Facebook at exactly the same time because you know why would you not? It's an experiment. We're going to see how it goes. And uh, the show is broadcast uh, as a podcast several weeks after we've recorded the interview. So if you are a podcast audio listener, thanks for being here. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from because we put out a lot of great content for for you if you're in an e-commerce business. And if you are on Facebook, make sure you find me on Facebook. Just head on over to my website, mattedmonson.com. Follow the links. Make sure you subscribe to the Facebook page because that's where we do the Facebook Lives and you can get the notifications. So if you want to come and join us when we're actually doing the interview, if you think it'll be really great to talk to these guests that Matt are interviewing and ask questions directly, you can come do that if you join us on Facebook. Now, before we get into it, I just want to take a brief moment to thank the two show sponsors that we have for the Curiosity Podcast. We have uh, Curious Digital, the amazing e-commerce platform that I use to drive my own e-commerce businesses. It is an amazing platform. So if you're out there and you're thinking, I'd really like a new e-commerce platform, or they've actually just released Curious Digital Startup. So if you are a startup and you're looking to find a a platform, there is KD Startup as well as the professional ones. Check out the website, Curious.Digital. That's Curious with a K. It is a fantastic platform. Go check it out. The other sponsor of today's show is Lightbulb Agency. They're not on the web yet. This is all This is all top secret stuff that I'm telling you. I'm probably not supposed to tell you, but uh, all the stuff is getting released. Lightbulb has been around for a while. It's all getting rebadged and rebranded and they offer end-to-end e-commerce services. So if you need help with your marketing, like we're talking about tonight, if you need help with your fulfillment, if you want help with product research, if you want to know how to grow um, your uh, referrals, if you're looking for 
people to come join your team through an agency and help strengthen what you already do, then make sure you check out Lightbulb Agency because they are doing some great, great stuff. Okay, let's jump into it. All that aside, let me hit this button here. And Chris, you are now live on screen. Chris, it is great to have you. Thanks for joining us on the show. Good evening. Thank you for having me. I know it's it's great that you're here. And uh, oh, hang on. There we go. Sorry, I just for whatever reason, I just muted you, and I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> no problem. Well, good evening again, and thank you very much for having me. <laughs> it's great that you're here. Apparently, I'm supposed to be a professional at this. You would never actually know. Um, Oh, more professional than I would be. Yeah, yeah. Corrine's just come. Hey, Corrine, it is great to see you. Corrine has just come on and commented that the curious.com link is not working. That, Corrine, the answer to that is because it's not curious.com. It is curious.digital. Um, and if that's not working, try curious.agency. Either of those will work. But it's great to see you. I hope you're doing well. Um, uh, Corrine's lovely. She's in the States and she runs a, a business, Chris, that does um, stencils for crafting. Uh, and she's uh, she's just great. Thanks. Oh, you're welcome. Great to have you, Karine. Okay, Hello, Chris. Let's jump into it. So you are a consultant, chief marketing officer. What That's right. does that mean? I mean, <laughs> it sounds so cool, but what does it actually mean? So I spent a lot of years um, doing lots of different things in the marketing world and the e-commerce world and in the product kind of management world. So I've got. Um, a very broad experience that positions me as a bit of a specialist generalist, which is an oxymoron, but it, it sort of works in today's times. What, what it means is that um, I've got a good background to go into lots of different clients and lots of different verticals and talk to them about how they should be approaching their marketing from a very, very holistic perspective. So um, I'm not talking about a single channel. I'm not talking about a single um, marketing piece that they want to do or a single piece of content that they want to write. What I'm doing is going back into them and saying, what are you actually trying to achieve? What are your commercial goals? How do we wrap that into something that is a very strategic piece looking at every part of your business? Um, because really, marketing isn't an isolated discipline anymore. Marketing needs to touch lots of different parts and components of, of people's businesses. So it's the, what I'm hopefully going to talk to you tonight is, is something that people should be able to see applies really, whether it's an e-commerce business, whether it's pure play, whether it's bricks and mortar in e-commerce, whether it's B2B, B2C, SaaS platforms, service-based, it doesn't really matter. It, it's, it's a process that I'm going to show you how to apply to basically understand how to get to where you want to be from those commercial goals, how to prioritize tasks, how to weave together multiple uh, agencies, stakeholders in geographical territories that are diverse. It, you know, it applies to lots of different um, contexts. So ho wow. hopefully that, that, that explains it a little bit. It does. I'm not going to lie. It sounds a bit full on. <laughs> it's full on. It yeah. is full on. But do you enjoy it? I mean, do you, you? I mean, we've talked off off camera, and one of and it's just, I I know you enjoy. It. It's a trick question. You you talk about it with such passion, you get a big buzz out of the whole thing, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I, I think you know this is where the fun lies in going and really helping businesses grow. And and I, I'm sort of agnostic about what those businesses might be. I I like to choose. Um, businesses that have an ethical stance and I like to choose people that are approaching sustainability and, and actually they're often the ones that are hardest 
to help sometimes yeah. because they've got a really challenging environment or they've got a really challenging kind of saturated market or something like that. But I, I like getting into the detail and understanding explicitly what needs fixing if things need fixing. Maybe it's not a fix, maybe it's just a, a starting point and an understanding of how to prioritize effort to get the best possible reward um which which is i think what most business owners are trying to achieve anyway generally yeah it is yeah it, 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 but i can help them frame that and i think there's two angles right one is an agency angle so if they're already working with an agency maybe that agency needs a little bit of leveling up to kind of remove the marketing myopia they, they might have got blinkered in-house teams definitely get um set in their ways a little bit even if they, they do don't they they get quite tunnel visioned and i yeah and I, and, it, and what I've found is that I, I mean, I do a bit of the coaching and consulting, but I do it more from the e-commerce side of things. And what I've found is, and I don't know if you found the same thing, Chris, when you go and see a client, what you talk about with the team is not rocket science. It's not okay. really anything that's insanely new and stuff they've not heard before. It's just that we get so hunkered down in our way of doing things that actually somebody coming in and helping us take a step back thinking about the basics actually that makes a big difference it, it's objectivity for sure so yeah. and being a consultant cmo uh, lends itself well to asking the questions that internal teams might not want to ask um you do so, get the so opportunity the, to ask the really awkward questions right and yeah the, you and do. people pay you for that uh, i mean that's that's why <laughs> I feel like that's why I should get paid. There's no point in me going and telling people what they want to hear. There's no – people are trying to grow a business. If I can spot something that's holding them back from growing that business, I, I need to find a way of communicating to that, you know, yeah. to them. And, and that's, that's about framing, positioning, and asking the right questions. So, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think to your point of, of how much stuff there is to do and, and people getting tunnel visioned – there's an element there of overwhelm if, if you and, and i think you'll see that in some of the stuff that i'm i'm going to show you so no it's not rocket science um i'm definitely definitely using tools that already exist i am not reinventing the wheel but what i am able to do is through experience and uh general kind of knowledge and marketing uh awareness is help people leapfrog some of the some of that process so where they might independently have got to the same point but it might have taken quite a few months or quite a few years yeah i can definitely help them kind of streamline that significantly fantastic now this is um to jump the gun a little bit this is your framework isn't it this is um, mm. what we're going to talk to or talk through tonight and this is actually if you're listening to the audio podcast one of the things i want to encourage you to do is also check out the video of the podcast because for the first time tonight subject to technology actually working <laughs> uh we're going to do a screen share and you're going to walk us through the podcast now if you are listening on the audio podcast i will explain stuff as we're going along and hopefully ask all the right questions um but chris shall we i'm super psyched shall we just shall we get into that and, and see how it ends up Jump in, and hopefully um, the things that I say around the slides will make it not necessarily critical to be looking at the slides. It's still going to make sense, I think. Absolutely. Um, but uh, your, most... your slides are now on the screen. Okay, um, cool. So you can, you know, scratch your head and pick your nose. No, no, no. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Seems risky, so I may, I may not do that. Um, 
Okay, so, so this first slide really, it, it just tries to frame the objective of, of why, why I go in and talk to people. And this is, um, it's about reducing friction, essentially. And a lot of times I go into a client and they are doing a lot of stuff. They're doing a lot of marketing efforts and a lot of tactical activity, but it's perhaps disjointed. They've yeah. got different teams. They're not talking to each other. You know, I've certainly been in, in quite large um, Series A, Series B, Series C startups where they are they have a global presence already and they've maybe got um, a team doing design in one geographical territory, a team doing social media in another geographical territory, five PR agencies all working independently with a freelancer managing them. You know, it's that kind of context. And, and, and that's actually, actually true also. Um, if I've, I've seen the same thing with startups, right? So if you're a startup, you may be thinking, well, that doesn't apply to me, but it does because so many people... Series just piped up. Um, so many people on startups are like using Fiverr or all these different services where they've got people in all different parts of the world doing various things for them, and then they're they're not connected either, right? Absolutely, I think so. Some of the common, one of the common tools that I'll talk about later is, is Trello, right? And, and you don't have to use Trello. You can use many different versions of project management software. Um, I'm orientating things in a Kanban, jumping the gun a little, a little bit. But essentially, this whole process is geared towards uh, being completely ambivalent about what your structure is. Yeah. If you've got, if you've got this process in place, it doesn't matter if you've got a very, very structured in-house team or if you've got incredibly disparate resource from people per hour, freelancers, your mate doing this bit, your, you know, hardcore PR agency doing another bit, um, or people in different countries. It, 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 it lends itself to connecting all that together, and that's that's one of the critical reasons actually why why this works and why I've why I've helped myself grow it and evolve it um, okay. yeah so so it's really about that connectivity um, at, at its heart actually and, and the tactical activity is is almost secondary to that and the overarching strategy is the purpose but um, yeah connectivity you've touched on uh, extremely shall I shall I jump into kind of the, the stages that I would go through yeah yeah let's do that uh, I'm, I've got my pen and I've got my piece of paper at the ready. I'm taking notes, so we're all good. Okay. Uh, let me see if I can move on. So hopefully you can see a slide on screen that says the process. Okay. Um, there's sort of loosely five steps. I mean, it's it's not always this cut and dry. There might be some preliminary discussions and little mini audits and things like that. You, you know how it is when you, you're talking to people and you're trying to develop a relationship and develop a rapport. There's never a point where you just jump in and start doing stuff. There's always a conversation. But ultimately, there's a point at which we need to ask really, really kind of deep questions and, and a real combination of kind of broad and um, detail-oriented questions about the business. We'll then go in and do some kind of audit that is pretty deep um, and very specific to different channels and very specific to different marketing activities and content that's being produced and supply chain, et cetera, et cetera. We'll go through that. I then translate that audit uh, into some kind of um, task structure and i have a i have a framework for that i mean it's on a google doc you'll see it there's no crazy tech here this is this is the link between the audit and the tasks is where the value is that i add i think predominantly because it's it's essentially that leapfrogging process and, and understanding how to prioritize so i'll go through that the fourth stage is translating that kind of 
document of tasks into a prioritized sprint plan. And I, and I call myself the agile CMO because what I'm trying to embed is that sort of developery agile sprint process. But it's not stringent. It, it's more about, look, if you, if you need to prioritize tasks, there has to be some kind of time frame associated to that. And we can help you choose what that time frame means. But it, it gives focus to when things should be done by and how they should be done. And then okay, the fifth sorry, is Chris, uh, You've mentioned Kanban, you've mentioned the word sprint, and you've mentioned the word agile. Now, I actually am going to sound a bit pompous. I know what they mean. Um, sure. But not, not everybody does. Can you just give us a like a 10 second overview of what what they what that all is sure so in a it's it sort of originates from uh web development if you like or coding or software development and it sort of puts into context a process where you build something without necessarily defining every part of it right at the beginning so if you if you had a plan right at the beginning you said okay i want a uh, hundred features and i want to know exactly how much that costs and how how long it takes that's one way of doing project another way is to say what's our minimum viable product to get this going what do we need for that okay probably 10 features and that's going to take way less time so let's do that and it'll maybe we can do that over the course of two weeks or a month and in the course of that two weeks or a month we'll go through and we'll say okay what's worked at the end of it like a retrospective view what's worked has has this been successful? Has this delivered what we wanted? Um, yes, no. How do we change that? How do we evolve and iterate it? And the sprints are the sprint is how long your effort period is. So maybe yeah. you go, okay, every two weeks is our sprint time, and you do whatever you can get done in that sprint. Uh, and it's not planned to the nth degree. It, it's very fluid. It's very flexible. In the development world, world it allows for kind of um, you know scope changes without it being a, 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 an awful process to kind of go back and revisit the original project and say, well, I've sunk a load of cost and opportunity into there, and now the scope's completely changed. Yeah. In reality, you you couldn't possibly plan a marketing project like that because. You, you need to A-B test. You do need to. You, you need to understand what's changed in the market conditions. You need to understand what's changing in the competitor landscape. There's so many variables to that kind of marketing activity, which is why this, this in inverted speech marks, agile process um, makes sense for it. But, but the... It should become obvious when I when I yeah. show the cool. the process. No, I appreciate you taking the time, and I I'm I'm the worst person for this, you know, where you just you're talking away and you throw stuff out there, and people you just assume actually, or people know what that is. But I think, um, like you say, sprint, agile, Kanban. These are words. I think if you're if you've been around e-commerce for a while, if you've been around the web agencies seen for a while you would have heard them you'll know what they are if you're new to e-commerce you will definitely become familiar with them um but yeah they are they are they are great ways to develop sites anyway i interrupted you sorry that's point number four uh we go so we go from kanban to yeah no no you're absolutely you're absolutely right and anything that i say that uh, if i uh, use an acronym or or spin something up just yeah please do interrupt and ask me to explain it um yeah the, the fifth thing is just basically evolving and iterating um so asking how can it be better how can we be more transformative um and, and i've kind of got an example of what that that might look like okay so if I um, kind of dive into a little bit more detail of the first stage, which is the kind of questions that I want to be asking clients, um, 
And really fundamentally, what I'm trying to establish is what value they're trying to provide to their audience. So I'm asking them things like, why are they doing what they're doing? And what are they doing it for? Who is it for? And who are they actually trying to change? Mm. So these, these are pretty critical aspects to, to underpin that, that value um, proposition, if you like. And, and it's, it's not just purely related to that kind of marketing speak of vision and mission statement and value proposition. It's, it's really more gritty than that. It's really about and actually, these are some of the most difficult questions for some clients because they, are. they might have set, it can, set it, out on it, a journey. It's really hard to answer these questions like, you know, why are you doing this? What's the reason? What's the purpose? And actually, if it's just to make money, you've got to be honest with that at the start, right? I, you, Absolutely. You genuinely have. Um, but for most people, there's usually something more to it than that. And digging in and finding that out is actually, it's a head wreck. But the value of doing that completely is 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 unbelievable as i'm sure you found out right absolutely and and that's why that's the first part because until i understand that until they understand that actually there's no way to steer how you write your content or yeah. um what channels you focus on or what your what audience personas you should be trying to um target and segment i mean it, it literally affects and touches every part of the overall strategy and touches most of the tactical activity. So I think, and I'll definitely say that in my experience, a lot of senior marketers don't approach, don't approach it from this, um, this angle. They go straight into channel activity um, associated to commercial goals, so, which is fine. That, that does work as well, but it works in a different way. And I, yeah, I'm not and sure. I, no, good. I agree with you. I think these are, you've fundamentally got to start right with these basic questions. And mm. it's interesting how you've tied that in with marketing, that actually marketing starts when you ask these very basic questions. Why? What's it for? Who's it for? Who are you trying to change? And spending that time getting that information now, well worth it. Brilliant. Sorry. Yeah, carry on, Chris. Totally, totally. So, so I think, you know, then the follow-up questions are a lot more detail-orientated. So what are your objectives? And, and they could be commercial objectives that are like, do you have revenue goals? Do you have um, conversion rate goals? Do you have cost per acquisition goals? Or, or actually, what's your exit strategy? Because um, if somebody is running a lifestyle business, the approach to the overall marketing strategy in a kind of longer term view is going to be very different to, to if it's a startup and they're in series C and they're like, well, I want an IPO in two years time. Mm -hmm. There's a fundamental difference to the way that you spend money in those contexts and a fundamental difference in, in the way that you try and grow those businesses. So th those are elements. And I also want to know from people, what have they done? You know, what, what have they tried and, and what have they found that worked and what didn't work? That doesn't mean to say that I will try those things again or suggest not trying them again, but you need to understand what they've done and then look at that in the context of the competitor landscape and the market, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So um, I think it's also useful to understand if they, if they have a fundamental awareness of what a testing strategy might be or a, you know, a growth strategy or a, a promotional strategy, these kind of things or a content strategy, things that they could Google, <laughs> uh, but do they actually understand 
how they should be approaching those things. And, and that's part of also understanding if they've got the applicable resource for what they're trying to achieve. Do they have any gaps? And yeah. I'm positioning these as questions in the context of this process. I'm obviously not just going in and just asking them, do you have the right resource? Do you have any gaps? It's, it's a much more conversational piece. Uh, and actually, it might be something that they discuss and then I interpret um, and kind of delve a little bit deeper. Yeah. So, for example, if they're trying to, if, if they've got a commercial goal of 20 grand a month, but they've only got stock coming in that will serve five grand a month, and actually their, their warehouse solution kind of falls apart at, at the orders that translate to two and a half thousand pounds a month, that, that will come out of the conversation, but that'll be a big point to address. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of beyond marketing, but it's it's also not right in a senior in a senior position. You need to be so you need to be making worth it. Yeah, absolutely. So that that's really kind of the, the question and answer um, component. Um, there's clearly a, a whole host more as part of a, a client conversation that that will be uh, that will come out of that. But um, then there'll be a point at which a, a relatively deep audit needs to be done. And, and this is where a lot of my time is spent um, in the kind of inception of this plan. So I always try and frame things. Uh, and I, I think this translates to pretty much every vertical and every kind of business that you could possibly um, want to try and grow. But there's always four components for me. Yeah. Awareness, Acquisition, conversion, and retention. So awareness, can people find you? Do, you know, what are they actually looking for? Do they see you on the web or in a catalog or in, in stores on the high street? Are they aware of your brand? Do they see you on social media? Are you doing above-the-line advertising of any kind? Um, and by above-the-line advertising, I mean mass broadcast, TV, radio, uh, blended stuff like Sky AdSmart, where you've got a kind of digital component, but it's served across the Sky digital network. Influencer marketing that's not, I found this person who's going to talk about me. I'm talking about portfolio in, in influencer marketing where you approach uh, an agency perhaps that has a, a roster of um, inverted commas speech marks uh, trusted uh, influencers <laughs> so, which were, I like how so, you put okay. that in inverted speech marks yeah yeah it's never risk free it's never no, risk free no but, we've all yeah, been that, by it that's for sure Absolutely, but but it's becoming more of a, a kind of um, more of a component that needs to be that needs to be focused in on it, depending on the brand and the context, etc. And then from an acquisitional point of view, you know, paid search, search engine optimization, fundamental channels that drive people directly to your site. Um, there are obviously many others. Uh, which can be influenced in different ways, but those the PPC and SEO tend to be where people are spending money and yeah. paid social. I'm, I'm including in, paper, in PPC. PPC. So I, yeah, I think you know we titled this "Growth Hacking is Dead, Long Live Growth Hacking," and and I feel like we we sort of had this conversation a little bit um, uh, off off offline, but. Growth hacking has become a term that seems synonymous with people trying to um, sell you a way to A/B test Facebook ads, and <laughs> you know, you know what? Facebook. That's so true, right? That is so true. Growth hacking equals A/B testing Facebook ads. But actually, it and this is this is your point, isn't it? It is not A/B testing Facebook ads. 
Yeah, so when growth hacking was was kind of it, the term was coined, I think by Sean Ellis of Growth Hackers ten years or so ago, it, it was a lot more relevant because the technology stacks didn't exist to allow people to kind of seamlessly connect data across lots of different platforms. And by data, I mean how your customers interacting with your site. What 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 are they browsing? What are they seeing? How are they responding to the emails you send them? How are they transacting? And you know, obviously for e-commerce, that's even more prevalent than most places. But you can you can contextualize it. But thinking about all that, all those different data sources. Ten years ago, you had to extract that data from many different platforms and find a way to weave it all together. And it definitely was a hacking process. You definitely needed to code something or, or even more basic, get it all into an Excel spreadsheet and leave it running overnight with a load of VLOOKUPs. <laughs> it it really days. was like yeah, yeah, right was. yeah yeah totally so but now you can set your e-commerce store up on shopify plug in segments by trezzle plug in clavio and there you've got a, a kind of triptych of seamless data flow and automation between um th those different platforms mm. which allow you to very powerfully derive insights, segment and target different bits of your audience, different cohorts of your audience to be extremely personalized, timely and relevant to them in your in your messaging, which is yeah. which is essentially the premise for e-commerce fundamentally, you know, relevance engages and engagement converts. It's 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 that simple. So if people are focusing like on that. a single relevance channel, engages and engagement engagement converts. You should remember that. I, you should write that down. Oh uh, my my I've stolen that off a friend. I plagiarized <laughs> that from uh from uh, a very good friend of mine. So um I think you but realistically, you know, that <laughs> growth hacking as a term now needs to be very scrutinized because you need I think, to know what it means don't you and rather than just do. going all oh, that you sounds do. cool it's a bit of a buzzword that sounds cool i want a growth hack i want a growth hack yeah yeah, yeah. you need to like you say you need to know what that means but this is what your whole process is about right you this yeah is, the multi-channel context yeah 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 absolutely and so so then you know there's that kind of acquisitional point and and we go on to conversion what is, is your site user experience right is it is it fast is it is it working properly are, are there any fundamental pain points like the checkout doesn't work or it's broken on mobile it, it, some of this stuff is really obvious i'm going back to basics some of it is much more uh, nuanced um yeah. And then email and CRM definitely plays a part in conversion. And then I think from a retention perspective, like definitely growth hacking shouldn't ignore retention. There is a huge uh, raft of information suggesting, rightfully so, that a, a, an existing customer is usually more um, valuable than trying to acquire a new customer. Yeah, yeah a lot um, more valuable. They account yeah, for they, a lot more of the the sales on the uh, proportionately on, on most e-commerce websites that I've seen. Yeah, I, I think the exclusion is things where you've got, um, you know, Casper mattresses or something or, yeah. or, um, or, or blinds and curtains, things like that. And actually, there's some examples in what I'm going to show you that, 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 that have that context. But you can still use retention um, as a mechanism to derive brand evangelism and referral yeah. and loyalty, even if that loyalty is, is kind of um, peer related rather than specifically one individual buying multiple products from you repeatedly. Um, yeah. 
obviously the dream is to sell something uh, <laughs> sell something that runs out so you can just constantly do lovely replenishment cycles and um, and understand the data behind how quickly those people are consuming those goods like cosmetics or something like that that's amazing for e-commerce right that's a perfect, perfect but and he, here's the rub as well there are again fundamental marketing principles that underlie this this awareness acquisition conversion and retention process and i think well i don't think it i see it day to day and i see it from colleagues and peers it's they're being a, a little bit ignored because the digital uh, the digital channel uh, prevalence is so highly positioned in people's awarenesses and mindsets mm. so i think what people are forgetting a little bit of are the four P's of marketing, price, promotion, place, product. What we, how does that actually influence what you're trying to do? How are you positioning your brand? What are your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats? You know, everybody hates a SWOT, but if you approach it in the right way, a, a SWOT analysis, it it's needs super balance. valuable. Yeah, yeah, it's they old are, school, but it works super well, right? Uh, uh, right, absolutely so. And, and also, same things like, you know, PESL, like, political, economic, um, all those kind of factors around uh, the wider market, the wider landscape. Mm -hmm. I've definitely worked with businesses where that affects them. Brexit is a critical example. Yeah, I've worked with yeah. a number of businesses that really shot their lead gen to pieces because because large corporations just weren't investing money in the run-up to the general election recently and um, the Brexit outcome. And, and, and things like HS2 being announced today, that will have severe impact for pros and cons for different businesses in the context of that. So you need yeah. to understand those, those wider factors. And then um, things like new product development and supply chain and, and again, back to resource because what people have as their resource needs to influence what you're suggesting as a strategy. You can't just randomly suggest doing loads of high-value TV advertising if that business clearly can't support that from a cash flow yeah. perspective, um, even if they've got high growth targets, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's really that, that kind of holistic understanding that I'm trying to convey and, and trying to almost educate uh, clients into as well um, so no, that's fair enough so just to summarize that because there's a lot of great information there and I always find it's helpful to summarize for me uh, I don't know about you but I definitely uh, but to summarize under your audit you've got your four channels of uh, or four pillars of marketing as I'd probably call them you've got the awareness phase you've got the acquisition phase the conversion phase and the retention phase. So somebody needs to understand your brand. You then need to get them to your website. You then need to convert them and you then need to convert them to becoming a repeat customer and keep them back. And there's obviously these digital channels which you've gone through. Um, they're like PPC, SEO we've talked about. Um, SEO we talked about in last night's podcast. Um, then we've got, but you, you're also underlining all of this and saying don't forget the old school fundamentals the four p's the swat the pestles the new product developments the supply chains they are still important too and absolutely so, yeah and i think i'm hoping i've summarized that uh, with justice for you chris yeah you definitely have and and um just as you were summarizing it it occurred to me that i'd, I'd sort of left out 
things like door drops and, and print advertising, uh, personalized print advertising from acquisition and conversion. And they, they have a place there for some brands. So then, yeah. then, you know, they're not always a pure above the line activity. I, I, so I, I, I think, again, seeing the, the board and seeing the way that I've constructed the tasks will, will helpfully, hopefully illustrate some of that, um, you know, connectivity between different channels and offline and, and online. Great. Okay. So if I look at step three, this is about building a list of tasks and I've kind of put a, a proprietary framework to this. And again, we're, we're still not entering any kind of major astrophysics, rocket science territory. Um, <laughs> But there needs to be a a view of the big picture, yeah. a view of the midterm, and a view of what the quick wins are right now. What do they need yeah. to do right now? And and that's part of that is is my interpretation of of the audit and mm -hmm. of their of the questions that I've asked them. You know how how am I framing the, what I recommend as their prioritized tasks um, given those different views on their on their business and and the big picture thing is obviously re referring back to the exit strategy or the lifestyle business context or, or whatever they're trying to achieve by when um and then i build this, this sorry what would you do how would you define midterm so you said you've got quick wins and you've got midterm a midterm view what sort of time frame would you put on that i, I mean it varies wildly for different clients okay. so a, a big, I'd say loosely now might be three to six months. Midterm might be six to six to twelve, six to eighteen, and then big picture might be anywhere from twelve to to three to five to ten years. D different clients have different sure. um, different kind of definitions of that, but now is usually all within the first couple of quarters that you're approaching. Yeah, it's what you can do in the next ninety days is normally how I would right. say to people. But yeah, the quick wins, what what you can do quickly with yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. So the, the only reason I, I I don't go specifically to 90 days is because, so definitely for e-commerce, 90 days for sure. You need to do stuff now, get get people to your site. Get, there's, there's always going to be stuff you can be doing. However, I also work with clients who are, you know, need to build like a lead gen funnel from a thought leadership piece that goes to a landing page, that goes to a, a CRM, that goes to a longer sales cycle. So that yeah. that's often not something that can be translated into a uh, a quick win in, in 90 days, but it, it's certainly in the context of their business, it's definitely actions that they need to take now rather than sure. waiting or, or planning for. So there's, there's always a context. And um, so, then this is kind of the value, right, that, that I'm trying to add um, beyond how it gets executed. So fundamentally, before it gets put onto some some nice visual piece that lots of different stakeholders can, can enjoy and interpret, I need to actually translate this crazy data-based <laughs> audit into something that makes sense to people. So I position it as what, why, when, how, uh, sorry, what, why, when, who, how measured, and um, an ICE score, impact, confidence, and ease. And I'll go through that a little bit more. Um, but essentially, can I, if, if you don't mind, I'll open up a slightly different document now Great. and show it. you the actual detail. So if I, I probably need to just zoom in a little bit here. Ooh, we are slow tonight. Okay, so growth task framework is that viewable? Do you think on screen? 
Uh, I'm just seeing a white screen at the moment, so hopefully it will come up on in a second. Okay. Well, um, just to talk through before it comes then for the for the for the purpose of the podcast audio, what this is 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 a framework to translate stuff that you found out into a specific task. And I want to break out tasks into very 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 um, individual level detail. So okay. that. They're not they're not generalized. What this is trying to do is break everything into a component part that a team or a single stakeholder can address and work on. Um, can you see the document yet? Yep, it's just popped up now. Excellent. Short so, as you like, which is great. Nice. So I'm creating these with um, a format, and the format starts with a task title. So when I post it into whatever tool I'm using for the client to to actually understand um, and visualize it, it needs to have a title. So in this case, and this is a blended example, so there's loads of different clients, bits and bobs in there, should hopefully be anonymized. Um, but essentially, <laughs> this task title says, make more of measure plus offline referrals. So in this particular uh, document, there's no order yet. This is my brain dump essentially okay. so the task title um is make more of measure and on offline referrals this is in the context of uh a window covering manufacturer who provides sustainable uh fabrics and they go and provide a measurement service and oh uh, okay so when you say make more of measure it's their measurement service not a measure of some exactly. KPI or something on the website. Exactly. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. This is super specific to that particular yeah, yeah. that particular context. And then you know, being in somebody's property and measuring their, their measuring up for them gives them gives you an opportunity to leverage kind of a referral mechanism yeah. in a very personal way. So that's what this task is about. What what actually is it? Okay, that's the next step. So in this case, it's literally London Zone Two only, and inwards, uh, but crucially offering an incentive off accessories if you refer to your peers and an incentive, uh, maybe attach a time frame to that as well okay okay so that's the actual what so we're summarizing here but it's still enough detail so that somebody else could look at that in the context of that business and go well i understand what the goal is yeah and i understand what i'm supposed to be doing the the why is leveraging the premium aspect of the brand and promoting peer network referrals. So that's the objective from a why perspective. Yeah, why are we doing it? Yeah. Yeah. When are we doing it? Okay, we're testing it in cycles from January. How are we doing it? Okay, we're going to advertise through door drops, print ads, and local search ads. Okay. So there's digital and offline channels being yeah. utilized in that um, campaign. Who's doing it? In this case, it says to be confirmed. But ultimately, um, the who is where I would frame my suggestion for whether it's an in-house task or whether it's a, um, uh, a task that I'm going to support on personally or whether I should recommend a freelancer. That's the one that stays as to be confirmed usually until you've talked to the client about it because yeah. they have their own resource. They might know where to go. They might not know where to go. So that that's that's fine but th it needs to be in there because everybody needs to understand who's accountable for that task yeah and then how are we going to measure it well we're going to measure a direct traffic increase we're going to uh, measure code usage if they put a specific media code on it it's going to be utm tracked and we're going to measure how many people are referred through the referral 
mechanism. So they're pretty clear measurement um, aspects. I would tend towards, if possible, adding a specific metric improvement by a certain timescale, if I possibly can. Okay. So I, really that might have been, you know, code usage, colon, 25 codes used in the first two weeks of the campaign. So I'd like to attach something specific that can be measured to as, a, as, a, as a, an objective. Yeah. That's not always possible. You have to be relatively flexible. Yeah, but it's a good idea if you can do it. Right. I, I like that idea that, that you you can definitely track the progress that way. And the other thing that you said, while well, you take a drink of water there, um, the other thing that you said, which I liked, um, was when you wrote out, I'm just going to pull that document up, when you wrote out the what, the zone two inwards, only measurement service, but crucially offering incentive for sex, blah, 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 right? Yeah. So when you wrote out the what for that test, the thing that you said that I liked was that if somebody else came and picked up this document and they read it, they would understand it. So you'd explained it so that somebody who wasn't involved in that process could pick it up and understand it. And bringing that level of clarity I think is super, super helpful. Super helpful. I really like that. It's, it's an aim. I'm, not, I'm definitely not going to suggest that I always get that right. No. But it, it's definitely an aim. Yeah, 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 I'm with you on that. I'm with you, and I, I, I like that. Okay, so underneath that, you've got this ICE, which if I'm honest with you, uh, my default thinking is in case of emergency. You know, who's the ice contacts <laughs> on your phone, right? right. Uh, call my wife if I'm lying in a pool of blood somewhere. Uh, but I'm assuming that's not what it is. <laughs> no. So um, again, this is not something that I've invented. It's it's not uh, it's not new. It, it's basically again, it kind of goes back to prioritizing things like software functionality. But I've I've hijacked it for this context. Um, I stands for impact, so yeah. that means how much impact on the business do we think that this task will have? So right down to that specific task, and, and it's quite loose, right? So it, we're not talking about time scales here. We're not talking about um, uh, nailed to the wall revenue goals or anything like that. It's really just a basis for uh, loose scoring. And I'll, and I'll explain why we need this process and why we also don't rely on it. Um, mm. there's, there's multiple angles. But, so impact out of 10, how, where's our gut feel? What, do we think this is going to have a major impact on the business? And in this case, I've put eight. Because so that's a significant impact, right? So eight is uh, high. Yeah, because really this is, um, and there's, the rationale behind it for this task is that the, the exercise is targeted specifically to the absolute VIP customer. It's the ones who are going to spend the most. They're super engaged with the brand. They've probably got a peer network that looks just like them. So the cohort is lovely if you can get that kind of referral mechanism. And yeah. actually, the cost of the cost of informing people about this service is pretty low in this context. You know, display ads targeted to only zone two with um, specific housing values and only homeowners. Translate that through to a Royal Mail door drop that's not that's partially addressed, you're talking about two or three peer postcard. It, it, the, the, the actual cost of getting this out is, is pretty low. So yeah. I think, I think the, in this case, the rationale stacks up. Um, 
but that's why we bring in C, which is confidence. But that means how confident are we in achieving that impact? So it's almost like a balance and check on, on that uh, impact okay, statement. With you. Yep. you can't just go, yeah, it's going to be 10. Everything's 10. You've got to, you've got to understand how confident you can be. And, and in this case, I've put six mm. because door drops are essentially quite hit and miss. They are, they are not a perfect targeting mechanism and they're cheap for a reason, especially if you partially address them. Um, they might get bounced, they might get returned, they might get lost, you know, wet, failed delivery. There's so many variables with this, this, with this propagation um, mechanism, this campaign, uh, that you, you don't really know how it's going to get disseminated. And linked to that, you're making assumption that people's peer network is appropriate for this. And you're making the assumption that you're getting to the homeowner and not to a landlord yeah, or yeah. To, a, yeah. to a to a tenant. So, so the confidence in this in this is balanced at six. And then to kind of top the score off, if you like, is is ease. So, how easy is it to actually enact this this task? And in this case, I've put five. It's in the middle. It's not super easy, but it's not super difficult. You've got to do some creative for the ads. You've got to negotiate a, a Royal Mail deal or something like that. You know, you, you've got to establish some segmentation and targeting criteria. But, th but these are pretty simple to achieve. They're not, it mm. takes a bit of time and effort, but it's, it's definitely not something that's going to be, um, you're going to run up against a blocker or a barrier for this. Okay. So you've got the I score here of eight, six, and five. Now, at some point in the future, once this task is completed, do you come back and review those scores and see how actually were you on the money with those? Or do you just put them on there and kind of leave them? You, you can do. So I, I think there's a reality to the situation in that um, you may, that may not be a focal point in, in how you evolve and discuss. It's probably a, a conversation on some tasks, not all. It's very fluid. So uh, that leads me neatly into why you would bother doing it, right? Yeah. This, this document, I don't know if you can see in that corner there, this is page one of 35. So <laughs> I've, I've put 35 pages worth of, of tasks into this growth task framework. Wow. So They're going to love we, you. <laughs> if, we didn't, if, we, if we didn't have some level of basic <laughs> prioritization, this would be insurmountable. Yeah. So there's got to be some way to just go quickly, all right, we we know what these scores look like. If that's a 19 and that one's a five, when you add them all up, because that's all it is, just add them up. You, some people recommend timesing them, multiplying them, putting algorithms in place. It's all irrelevant. Just add them up, and then the yeah. higher scores, the higher scores better. Keep it simple. If you've got a 19 and a five, and they've both they're both there or thereabouts the same in terms of cost and revenue, then it's it's pretty simple to understand which one should be backlogged and which yeah. one should be put as a now action. So you're using Cl it as a prioritizing mechanism, aren't you? It, it's loosely that. And I say loosely that because, again, this is so contextual. It comes yeah, yeah. back 
resource. It comes back to big picture, midterm. It comes back to what are their commercial goals. You could have two things that score exactly the same, but ultimately one of them is pretty pretty irrelevant until six months in the future. Yeah. So I think you know, that that's where ice scoring is helpful, but definitely shouldn't be relied on, and it shouldn't be like your your stalwart. Uh, this is how we're scoring everything, and I will not deviate from that. I, I'm so far away from that point, but it's a steer. Yeah, that's all it is. Great, um, and it also opens up the conversation. You can you can talk to uh, people about whether you, you're right. It, you know, you can talk to them whether they agree with that effort level or whether they agree with that confidence level. Yeah. And it, and if you're and if you're recommending like a a user experience test, so you're saying, okay, well, I want to tweak the way that the site operates in this fundamental way. Actually, that that might be you might have put that as efforts four because you know you can do it dead easy on Shopify, but the client might have a proprietary system built in um, you know, React or something, so they can't yeah. build some code language that only they they in, they use, and, and it's not a it's not a platform that that lends itself um, easily to that. So there's a tech debt there, so they'll come back and say, well, actually, no, the ease is is ten for that. So that that potentially changes the discussion about that task. Okay. So um. I'll flick back to my uh, my process flow, um, and just one other thing to touch on with this. There's a there's a little piece here that says detail research citations and screenshots. Yeah. Now the reason I've put that in is because I just want to be really clear that um, yeah, a lot of this is the way that I I personally is in, I'm interpreting the audit data with my experience and knowledge to this ta this kind of grouped number of tasks that I think the client should have, a, have a, be, be focusing on. But I also try, wherever possible, to link it to things. So if I, if I know that they've missed a trick on a, a particular way that they could position their photography to take advantage of neuroscience in marketing, I want to illustrate that to them with evidence. So I will try and find suitable citations and research and a level of detail that goes beyond this is what you should do for the task but really here's why and there's a whole lot of further reading that's, that's you know guys you do need to not ignore this because it's sort of been proven by nike and adidas and and you know jaguar and all these do you find that's helpful and um and received well by clients when you give them the why generally so yeah i don't usually get people uh they they object on practical levels normally. So like thirty five pages of tasks, but they <laughs> but understanding the wise yeah yeah okay cool yeah 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 so so they need to understand and also the the, the whole screenshot thing that could be here's an example of how somebody else has done it that I think you should consider emulating yeah. or it could be here is a mock up that I've done that's just a wireframe but it illustrates the point that I'm trying to get across mm -hmm. so. We're really, we're really about translating um, context in a very, very visual and interpretable way. Yeah, no, that's great. Now, it has to be said, Chris, right, I'm just looking at this and I'm listening to you talk and, um, I mean, you, you're offering some great insight here, but it's worth just saying you're talking about going into some big organizations and doing this, but there's nothing on here that I see that I wouldn't rule out if you were a startup e-commerce business. You should. This process is going to work for you. You're both a consultant 
and you're the client, right? So um, you're going to want to do the task management. You're going to want to do your I scores. You're going to want to back it up with details and research wherever you can. You might not have 37 pages of tasks, but the half a dozen pages of tasks you have, I think this is a really helpful process. This is, I've applied this to everything. Yeah. I, I, I've applied this to a local yoga studio. I've applied this to a massive global multinational. There are the extremes are there. And this is what I was saying at the beginning about essentially being vertical agnostic. It, it doesn't matter. The context is irrelevant. The fact, and really that's where I think a lot of the success of the process comes through is that you don't need to be at a certain stage to take advantage of it. And really that's why I'm doing these kind of podcasts with, with you and, and, and kind of writing articles on this. Mm. I think I think there's value in educating people how to do this. And then if they reach a point where they, they want to hire somebody to steer them through it, then, then great. But ultimately... Yeah. I feel like everybody should be trying to approach their business like this, especially, yeah. especially going back to that why and who's it for and, and what's the, who are they trying to change? Because really that's the crux. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. So then we get, we summarize oh, got the task. Mac appear on the, uh, on the screen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the view I see uh, <laughs> for eight hours a day, every day. No, not quite. It, but... should, it should be worth saying right over the stage. There are other computers available from other computer yeah. manufacturers. I didn't realize we were a BBC sponsored podcast. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Trello works on windows too. No, <laughs> I, I... <laughs> so I'll click on this, right? So this is this is the this is the process, and this is going to look horrible and overwhelming to people. Uh, I definitely uh, get that, um, but if you break it down, it's not too bad. Great. So, for the for the audio only uh, listeners, what I've basically put on screen is a bunch of columns, and each column has a title, and each column contains uh, a load of cards if you like or or little extra pieces of information that you can kind of delve into um and the basic premise is that this is a a, a way to visualize what you should be doing in your chosen sprint time scale and the what i frame it as for clients is the far left has a sort of evergreen column, which is objectives and resource. And this changes a little bit for different clients, but it's essentially going to reframe every time they look at it, kind of refocus them on that awareness, acquisition, conversion, retention um, perspective. And I often include a little bit about ICE. So explain what the ICE score might be. And if I click into that card, you can see that it's it's kind of detailing the things that we've just talked about. Um, what's the impact? What's the confidence? What's the ease? Yeah. Um, I might talk to them about things like the lean canvas. Again, this is not uh, something that I've come up with. It's a way to talk to a business about what their problem is and what their solution should be and what their value proposition is. It's it's framing those questions, the why, the the what, the who, the what are they changing. It's it's framing that into something that's really uh, tangible. And, you know, they can kind of refer to it. I may do that for them, depending on what they've asked me to do. I may not. Mm -hmm. Then I have a column entitled Backlog. And this is where all those 35 pages of tasks get put <laughs> in the first place. 
And it's worth mentioning backlog is a phrase you hear a lot in the sprint agile. Yeah. Sort of. It's the, it is, it's like an inbox, isn't it? It's where you just literally throw everything and you're then going to sort it out. Yeah. All the tasks that you think are in some way relevant for this client or for, for your business, dump them in there. And then at least you've got them in there and you can kind of go down, scroll down it, start dragging them around, moving them around as you want. Yeah. Um, I've then got one, two, three, four columns entitled current sprint, next sprint, future sprint, and future sprint two. So you don't have to go to that depth. You could just have current sprint. Um, in the context of most of my clients, I want to add quite a lot of value. So especially if I've, if I've come up with a, a, an extensive list of tasks that I think they should be doing, then often there is a, a rationale to include a couple of pretty nailed down sprints and then a couple of sprints that are, you know, so that might be like February, March, April, and May, where February and March are pretty pretty nailed to the wall in terms of stuff that their quick wins are now. And then April and May are, you know what, let's discuss these and keep it fluid as we go. But ultimately, right now, these are probably the things you should be focusing on. Okay. Um, and then it's really operational stuff. So we've got a column entitled awaiting. So stuff gets dragged in there. If it's awaiting somebody else doing something on it, or if it's awaiting a tech, no, a t you know, tech guys inputting yeah. and finishing something off. Then we've got a done column. And then we've got a will not implement column. You, you, you know, there are stuff you, you recommend things to clients. They say it's just feasible, not feasible for us. We can't do it. And that's fine. Um, or you recommend something and then they go to like that top one, install Hotjar. So Hotjar is a useful tool to plug into your site and it, and it shows you how people are moving around your, your website and how they're scrolling, how far they're scrolling down, what they're mm -hmm. clicking on, on mobile and desktop. So I, I recommended install Hotjar. They turned around to me and said, oh yeah, I forgot to tell you, we've installed Mouseflow. So that's the same, <laughs> that's the same thing, same just thing. a different Just different so, yeah, yeah. Right, absolutely. So that's a will not implement. Um, so really, that's the premise. So you've got an operational flow of storing your tasks and then figuring out when to do them and how they get done. Yeah. The, the way the tasks are structured, so if I go into a card on the backlog, you can see urgency testing 005, low stocks warnings. So that's, that's the title of that task. And then I've gone into the what, why, when, how, who, measure, and then I score. So, so have you covered that from your Google Docs? Yeah, you can kind of, um, there's a number of ways of getting it into, into Trello, for example. You can kind of import from a spreadsheet or you can Zapier it, which is, you know, linking between Zapier is a tool that allows you to link two different things. Yeah, so, yeah. Right, absolutely. It, it can simplify, it can complicate, but uh, um, yeah. yeah. Let me preface that. Zapier is a great tool when it works. <laughs> yeah, if you don't need like multiple nested ways of doing yeah, things and, and yeah, it starts costing yeah. you $200. Um, so yeah, so this is copied and pasted to all intents and purposes. And then I have labeled. I was so, going to say, can I ask you about the labels? So you've got CX and neuroscience psychology going on there. So in that particular task, yeah, exactly. So it's a customer experience or orientated task, CX. Okay. And there is a neuroscience or psychology component. So the psychology of buying behavior um, is something that uh, this task has some kind of inherent relevance to. Uh, it, it's about urgency testing. So it's about the, the 
the positioning of how you display products on your site to prompt conversion in a more timely fashion. Okay. And there's a there is a kind of psychology psychology of buying behavior behind that. For example, I think this is a an evolution as well. So when I first set some of these tasks up, I, I labeled them purely for their functions. So you've got things like PR, referral, SEO, user experience, brand equity, content, pure strategy, email. So you know you can you can cater for lots of different things. Mm. Um, Actually, this is a bit old. What I do now for clients is definitely add in whether that's going to be a conversion, acquisition, retention, or um, you know, awareness-focused task as well. So you're tying that into the the four things under your audit. Absolutely, absolutely. And this is I've evolved this process over the over five years. It didn't start off like this. It started off quite differently. And um, the, the fundamentals were perhaps there, but the evolution has taken it to a place where it makes much more sense. Yeah, yeah totally. Now, the, the reason I like to use something like Trello is because it's, it's super visual and you can kind of assign people to a task. Um, so you literally you know, add them to that card. You can assign a due date. So I, I want to do this by next Friday. Um, and you can set reminders to it. You can attach things, pictures, spreadsheets, yeah. SEMrush exports, whatever. You can have a dialogue with your clients. So yeah. um, you know, multiple people can be commenting on this. And you can add. That was going to be one of my questions for you, actually. Who do you... Who do you give access to the Trello board to? So I, I assume it's not just between you and the client. You talked about web developers and all that sort of But who do you typically get involved in the Trello board? So my, my stance is that I want everybody who they are happy to have on it. On it. So for – and most clients that I deal with don't, don't have kind of some kind of weird – um, restriction around that so uh, they recognize that this is connecting the dots mm -hmm. so and the dots need to be connected between tech and content production and paid search agency and you know seo agency and directors who clearly different stakeholders will have different um levels of interaction with it and different levels of interest in it and and different levels of time and focus spent on it. A marketing manager or an e-commerce manager is going to probably live in it, um, but uh, you know, a director is going to dip in and dip out depending on whether they're involved in a particular task or a workshop or whatever. But um, the fact that you can invite, yeah, I, I would just, I always recommend inviting anybody they're happy to have on it. Yeah. And and actually, one of the things that I try and be a proponent of is is transparency. So. For me, I, I can't see any value in hiding your overall strategy from your paid search agency, for example. And, and I, I would always try and get some mechanism going where if you've got different stakeholders dealing with different functions and different channels, share everything between them because yeah. your your search and your paid search shouldn't be competing. They, they, you know, they should be the opposite of that. They should be complementary. If you're doing some content production for your search engine optimization, some evergreen article to sit on your web and, and be coded up with FAQ schema so Google recognizes it on the page really well, your PR agency probably needs to know about that so that they, they can decide whether or not there's a hook that they can weave into it. Yeah. Um, 
to 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 weave into a news story you know you you might have a separate email team they definitely need to know about that piece because they need to know whether they can build it into a newsletter or whether actually a cohort of your automated email segmentation should be made aware of that uh, because it's probably beautifully non-salesy but it's going to prompt some kind of some kind of engagement so i think yeah there's a real as many people as make sense absolutely wise get them and you can do that with trello have you played around with notion yeah so i've used this for clients with notion not as successfully because the the, it's not the the kanban's harder to manage Mm. Uh, uh, if if i can even get it working to the same extent but certainly trello seems to have become interchangeable with asana and uh, breeze or monday you know all these different tools Mm -hmm. pick and choose if a client comes to me with nothing my go-to is Trello because it's free and it's beautifully visual. Uh, you know, the fact that you can it's have things simple, in your right? backlog. It's yeah. Hard to, it's hard to screw it up, I find, with Trello. Absolutely, absolutely. And, um, yeah, I don't, I don't normally get a lot of complaints about using Trello. It, it's normally it's normally pretty good and and there's a sort of a, a third aspect there where if you've got a company that are managing their development processes internally excuse me using jira um it's the same parent group of companies so you can link uh jira to trello and now jira is very kind of hardcore development and project manager you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to find we tried it at our agency jira and oh yeah yeah we we tried it for two or three months and even the developers and the guys are going. This is just beyond us. This, this is too hardcore. So we didn't we didn't stay on it very long, but we did give it a go. We did give it a go. I think it's very useful in very very uh, convoluted uh, projects with multiple teams and lots of different uh, lots of lots of different functions being developed at the same time. But yeah, it's it's very. <laughs> I don't come across it as much as I used to five years ago. Yeah, yeah. So really really this is that's that's the kanban i mean i i could go into lots of different cards lots of different detail but essentially the premise with all of this is showing people what they should be working on making it visual making it obvious giving a reason behind everything making and helping everybody understand a unified point of uh even if it's just for discussion, you know, you get this current sprint. I might be on a remote call with the client. I might be face to face with them in a workshop. It's a, it's a focal point for the discussion. They might not decide to do these things. The best I can do is recommend and, and give a rationale for that recommendation. Sure. And uh, that is super great. And I think actually it's something that you could implement quite easily into your own business for your own marketing activities, isn't it? And putting those things in Trello, sharing them with your web team, sharing them with whoever's involved. But um, it just breeds accountability. When you write stuff down like that and you you spend some time thinking about it, it becomes so much easier to achieve it. Whereas if you just write down, I don't know, uh, get more Facebook subscribers. <laughs> Absolutely. It's like a soul destroying task, isn't it? And and how do you do that? So um I I, I no, I like it. I like your methodology and I, the fact you use Trello is cool. Um and you know, I see end to end how that process works and how it how it can work. Uh, and and it can be definitely it. improved. 
it can always be improved. I should definitely say that. You know, for example, this is a this is a sample one, so I've not really gone to the depth that I would for a, a client. But you, you're right. You definitely want to break those kind of overarching objectives and uh, KPIs down. So if one of your if you one of your acquisitional KPIs is grow your email list by 35% in six months. You might have five different tasks over the next three to four months that contribute to that. Yeah. So each one of those tasks should probably have a smaller component of that um, of that um, you know target built in. So I definitely think there's there's a huge benefit to as you've just identified, just taking it from that top level view and going. I need specific tasks to address. Otherwise, I'm not going to make any progress. And that's definitely the core. How do you, this, this sets the scene for many different people to easily address specific tasks yeah. that contribute to a holistic goal or set of targets. And that's yeah, the very point. Very good. Yeah, that's very good. Very, very good. So really, that that's it, and and the final task is the final point. Sorry, in my process is is simply evolve. So, you you want to always be asking what can be better. You want to be asking, is it actually working for the client? There's no point in hammering it ahead with it if it's not working for them, because it might be a tweak. They might just need a bit of training. Yeah. How how do we keep this transform transformative? Um, and often this is where a longer term engagement will will come in from from for me because I'm not you can embed this process but actually clients still need support in an, in going back to that data and going back and understanding whether things have worked whether the landscape's changed so they need to be redefining what they do and and you know we kind of go through this process of ideation execution measurement and then refinement mm. that that <sighs> It's it's all centered a little bit around Kaizen, which is this Japanese notion of continual improvement. And it's sort of a bit of a it's a bit of a buzzword. But it, it, it if you think about it in that way, it's a sort of a lovely principle to, to run by. Um, yeah, totally. Uh, and you make it what it is, right? So you can you could either say, yeah, I live my life by Kaizen and it's just a load of rubbish. Or you could actually say to clients, well, you know what? We are trying to continue to improve, and I can demonstrate that uh, through all of this activity, and I can demonstrate it through the way that the data is presented and the insights presented that, that creates the rationale for this. Mm -hmm. And I can demonstrate that very clearly through <laughs> Google Analytics and Google AdWords reporting and Data Studio and Hotjar or Mouseflow or, or whatever it is, uh, all these other data sources. So. Yeah, no, no rocket science, but just a whole load of structure to bring order to chaos, I guess, which is sometimes what it is. No, it is, and I, I, I love it. I can see your process and see how you, how you sort of done that with your, with your, with, with your ideas and how that's evolved over time and how that obviously works for you, which is which is fantastic you've obviously got a lot of success stories with this because you've you've kept at it for so long with so many clients so we've got the the proof that actually the system works yeah absolutely it does and it, and it goes back to exactly what you were saying about um context it, it might work for a huge client and it definitely does work for smaller clients and it's 
you choose how much of it you need to embed. But as long as you go through that process of, uh, I need to achieve something, I break yeah. it down into small tasks. I figure out what tasks I need to do first. It's almost, it's almost infallible yeah. um, as a process. Uh, but but as everything. It needs attention and it needs execution. You can't just bang it in a Trello board and expect things to happen. There's got to be <laughs> That's the first part. Now you've actually got to do the work. Yeah, and, right. And exactly. actually one of the things that I've found is with, with clients is you can, you know, you can create these beautiful Trello boards. And for, like you say, there is this thing in people's heads which go, well, it's done on a list, so therefore it's done. Uh, and you come back and go, well, how are we getting on with the list, guys? And the thing's moved. And it's the most extraordinary thing. And fundamentally, you, it's great to bring that order from chaos and write stuff on the list. But unless you actually get your head down and do the work, you've just got a very beautiful list. Uh, absolutely. So, and don't get me wrong, right? That's the point of failure. Th that is the critical point of failure because the variation with which clients buy into the process is is quite significant mm. so where a client gets it and buys into it they see success very quickly where a client buys into it realizes they don't have the resource and says for example to me find me the resource they get success very quickly where a client buys into it and goes, well, this is lovely. Now, what do we do? Oh, I'm just going to ignore it. Yeah. Clearly that's a harder, that's a harder sell to keep, to keep going with. And, and that's about me educating the clients properly. Um, thankfully that doesn't happen very often. Um, it happened more before I evolved the process to make it more visual and to make it more fundamentally orientated around those kind of why, what, who questions. So the, the, the value getting the value at the beginning propagates the buy-in for sure yeah. and so is that why i i i let me just i guess just check on that so one of the the good things about those questions in the beginning the why the who you're trying to change the what questions they're there to bring understanding but also fundamentally to help you buy into the process that you're just about to go through because there's a lot of work in this process creating your your kanban board but that's nothing compared to the work you're going to have to do to to do those actual tasks right um and so there's a lot of work after it and if you've not created an environment where you where you have got the buying where you've got the determination to push through and to invest your time your resource your energy into it um you're going to struggle aren't you absolutely and i think there's definitely a couple of angles to that one is um just just to go back to that point of overwhelm yes it looks like there's a lot of tasks on there but generally there'll be multiple stakeholders dealing with those mm -hmm. so as long as you can frame the the context for people uh, uh, and that's part of the buy-in is, is saying and that's part of the beauty of that trello construct is that you, you're assigning multiple things to different people and then you have an independent dialogue on each of those so what 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 i'm definitely not trying to do is set this up for them and then leaving them to get on with it you know that's yeah. not the aim the aim and neither is the aim to nudge people along because people need to take accountability for their own um for their own actions and, and everybody's 
a big boy and girl, they should be able to focus on the job and, and get it done ultimately. But you might run into you objections think, or you questions. Think, yeah. I know the real world, but, <laughs> but no, I, I see what you mean. I mean, and I and I would say to people, um, listen, you can only do what you can only do, right? You've got the same amount of time as everybody else in the world. If you write, if it's just you and you've got 150 things on that list, guess what? You're going to feel overwhelmed every time you look at it. So take the 150, put 140 of them somewhere else and focus on the 10. Focus on what you can do. And this is where you talked about the prioritization, isn't it? What's going to give you the biggest bang for your book? What's your quickest wins, right? Let's work on those first. Get some momentum. As a business grows, we can pull these others in. Which is the beauty of the backlog, right? Because the yeah. backlog can just be this endless scroll of um, stuff that we might need to do at some stage. Mm-hmm. And current sprint might be five tasks, ten tasks, two tasks, one task. It doesn't matter as long as it's the thing that's going to have the most effect in yeah. the shortest amount of time against what they're trying to achieve. Right. Um, so, yeah, not every client's board will look like this crazy hundred plus tasks sitting there just waiting for somebody to cry into them um you know they, they don't they definitely don't all look at it. and that's part of the the, the value add i guess isn't it is, yeah. is making sure that you do present in a way that that isn't overwhelmed mm-hmm. um so yeah i just i think it's really interesting i think the it's the fun is in getting to the detail for me and then witnessing clients and businesses grow and see success off the back of of, of yeah. kind of being able to break it down into these tasks yeah so really that's where where i see the wins um um and you know agencies actually come to me sometimes and say can you can you train us in this process can you illustrate how to how to embed this in our in our ops because we sort of do this channel and we sell this retainer and we do that digital bit and that offline bit, but actually we're not, we're not connecting the dots for this kind of holistic strategic piece. Mm. And this, this is definitely a value add for, for digital agencies, yeah, yeah, yeah. especially. Yeah, totally. uh, I can see that. But yeah, that's the, that's really it. <laughs> well, Chris, listen, <laughs> Uh, I've enjoyed that. It, like I say, at the, the start, I had no questions other than let's just see where this takes us. And I, I, I've really enjoyed it. And I, I think I've learned a lot, actually. Um, lots of questions for the, I said this last night, I, I did learn a lot. And I, I have today, I've got lots of questions in my notebook. Uh, I'm still a, I'm still a, an analog guy in a digital world. Pen and paper still works really well for me. Um, I uh, have yeah, one right here. <laughs> All the best brains, all the best brains. Anyway, um, Chris, listen, how do people um, get a hold of you? How do people connect with you? How can they reach out to you? Where's, where's the best place to do that? So, I mean, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, we can, um, hopefully you can display a link, but easily my website, theagilecmo.co.uk is uh, a good place to get in touch. There's a few examples of, of how this process has been used in very different uh, contexts. Oh, cool. So you've got some case studies on there, have you? I mean, case studies is strong. It's, it's yeah. more this client and a couple of lines about, about what they are. Um, there's a big old get in touch uh, call to action at the bottom so people can get and all my details are on there right so that's the agilecmo.co.uk that's correct 
and we'll put the links to Chris uh, and his site and maybe Chris you could send me that slide that you had and we can put that as a PDF in the show notes and people can go and grab a hold of that and download that uh, and look at that to their heart's content but we will link to Chris's website in the show notes and also to Chris's LinkedIn profiles do check those out at madmanson.com and you will be able to follow Chris and connect with Chris and hook up with him no problem Chris, thank you very much oh, yeah. you're still there you froze a little bit on my screen so i was just I was hoping technology had not failed me right at the last minute i think i was just keeping still <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i'm just gonna do deliberately this. so yeah <laughs> no, uh, no absolutely if you connect with me on linkedin i'd love that but um definitely yeah just put in the notes saw you on curiosity podcast and that'll just frame it up for me that'd be really useful um but yeah thank you for that and i really appreciate you having me on i, I hope that this helps some people and um you, you know i'll be uh i'm very appreciative to be asked no it's been fantastic chris been great to connect with you listen super appreciate your time thanks so much for sharing your wisdom it has been fantastic and i'm sure everybody else enjoyed it. and i no doubt we will hear from you soon okay thanks chris thank you good night so i hope you got a lot out of that wasn't that incredible and amazing there is so much in there to think through and to chat through with your team if you've got a team um even if it's just your mum or your wife whoever it is just go and talk to them about what chris has shared and start to implement that through yourself there is so much in there do check out the show notes we'll put all the stuff in there and you'll be able to see all of that sort of stuff uh i appreciate for some of you listening to the podcast in the car you're like what has just hit me there's so much in there i really need some help getting there and make sure you connect with chris i'm sure he'll be more than happy to answer your questions and help you out if he can because he's just that sort of guy he's a cool guy do connect with him linkedin or his website, The Agile CMO. I wonder if I can, I'll just put, no, I can't. Uh, but I was gonna put that back on screen, but it's not working. Uh, so do check that out and do connect with Chris. In the meantime, if you are a podcast listener, make sure you subscribe to the show, wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, we are in all of the good places. Like I said, at the start, we do broadcast these interviews live on Facebook at the same time as I'm recording them. Um, but do subscribe to the Facebook Lives. They will come on at odd times. It all depends on when we can do these with the guests, which is cool. But if you subscribe and do the little notification thing, it will come up on your feed when we're doing them. Come along, join, because I've no doubt you'll have had questions. Uh, you could come on, write the comments, and the uh, the guests will answer them for you, which is fantastic. Make sure you check out Curious.Digital and Lightbulb Agency, the two sponsors of the show. Thanks for watching. It has been great having you with us. And like I said, I hope you got a lot out of it. And I wish you every success with your e-commerce business. And I will see you in the next podcast. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Curiosity Podcast. You can subscribe or you can also join us on Facebook Live. See you next time.